0: good to see you. I don't always get to stand up here and talk to you. I see you from the piano bench, but it's good to see you. And for those of you watching, can't see you, but it's, I'm glad that you're joining us. And in case maybe someone's viewing online um, and you don't know who I am, uh, I'm Julie Wilkie. I kind of go with the pastor and um, I go with him a lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I'm up here um, to talk to our women for just a minute and make a quick announcement before we get on with the rest of our worship. And we have been, um, through all of COVID, believe it or not, we have been maintaining some sort of um, contact with the women's ministry and with Bible studies. And um, it's been challenging for maybe even just trying to figure out how to do it, but it's been challenging on your end as well, I'm sure, to to either try to get online and do that. But we have moved back to mostly in-person um, Bible studies because we have enough space and we're so grateful for our new facilities. Aren't they awesome? And because um, there's so much room to kind of spread out. So we are so grateful and the timing couldn't have been better. Um, but what I want to do is just kind of uh, make you aware that we are going to do another study just going into um, Christmas, an Advent study. And Advent just means the coming. And it's we're, we're looking forward to the coming of our Messiah. We know that he's already come, but every year the as Israel was waiting expectantly for the Messiah, we know he's here, we know he's come, we know he's died for us, but now we wait patiently and expectantly at the same time for his coming again and what's to, what's to come for us. And so with that in mind, we want to encourage you to join us if you haven't already signed up. Um, so there will be two options in person for it's called O Come, o come Emmanuel. Um, Wednesday mornings, we originally said we're going to start on November 11th, 4th, I'm sorry, November 4th, but we have moved it back a week, forward a week rather, to November 11th. And those meet here at the church at 9.30, and Sunday evenings, they're going to also do the study, and they will be beginning beginning, um, November 15th at 5 p.m. So if you're interested in that, you can call the office and let them know that you'd like a book. Also, Heather was just informing me she has been doing a great job on Facebook, keeping up, and I know a lot of you join her on her Bible study times on Wednesday nights, and she's just kind of really good at that. She's kind of cornered that market, <laughs> but um, she was just also informing me that when it comes close to that time, you're finishing up a study right now, but she also wants to to take a few weeks for us to slow down and go through the Advent season. It's just a great time to to really slow down and focus on our Savior, so I wanted to encourage you on that and hope that you join us um, if you can. Next, oh, there you are, I can't quite see. Chastity has some Operation Christmas Child information, right?
1: Good morning. I'm Chastity Overby, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I am on the mission investment team, um, um, and I am also the um, central drop-off team leader for Operation Christmas Child. I've been doing that for a few years, partner with Robert and the rest of the team. And so this morning we have a special guest. We have uh, Brandy Del- Delhoff, Sorry. <laughs> She's the OCC area coordinator. And I'm going to give her a few minutes to talk here.
2: Good morning. I want to I want to tell you that in 2020, 2020, Operation Christmas Child is hoping to gather 11 million boxes to send to children around the world. Even with COVID, they're keeping up the good work that they're doing. Every 24 hours, 30,000 children get to hear the gospel around the world. And every 24 hours, 5,600 children accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Carpenter's Way has been a great part of that for 10 years. And y'all deserve a hand for that. So give yourself a hand. And Operation Christmas Child is a ministry of Samaritan's Purse, and they are asked, have asked me to present this plaque to Carpenter's Way for 10 years of service to Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. And we look forward and hope that you do it for 10 more years. Whoops. Try not to break it. And um, I just want to, on behalf of the area team and the national team and everybody at Samaritan's Purse just want to thank you so much for your ministry with these children and your participation in gathering Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. We hope that you gather more this year. You can give online this year instead of uh, going out and shopping if that is easier for you, but we appreciate y'all so very much. Thank you.
1: And I just wanted to say a thank you um, to the church. Uh, ten years of volunteering is huge. If you've ever volunteered um, for Operation Christmas Child uh, National Collection Week, will you stand up? Yay! Thank you. And I know that tons of you volunteers aren't here this morning. I just want to thank y'all too. Um, it's a big deal. We um, we put in a tons of volunteer hours every year and we couldn't do it without you so this plaque is for y'all and everyone that's volunteered over the years and we thank you and so that being said um, sign up for this year we'll start next weekend and so uh, next sunday we'll have our sign up sheets out and we look forward to uh, next to national collection week which is november 16th through the
3: 23rd we're going to jump back into worship, so I want to remind you guys, I encourage you, if you want to stand and worship with us, you are more than welcome. Uh, we'd love for you to join and, and stand and, wor- and sing with us. Um, I'm going to pray, and we're just going to we're going to jump back in. Father God, we thank you so much that we get to be a small part of your kingdom spreading across the globe. Uh, Lord, we hear these stories of these these simple shoeboxes that we a lot of times don't even really think about. We just kind of throw together with our extra money and all that kind of stuff. And Lord, just the impact that it has across the world and uh, we thank you, Lord, that we we live in a place where we're able to do this. Where we're able to gather. We're able to uh, do these kind of things. And um, we, we thank you. We just thank you that you allow us to be a part of your kingdom. Uh, we ask, Lord, as we go back into worship this morning, as we begin to sing again, we ask, Lord, that your spirit that lives inside of us would remind us of these truths that we're singing. Will there not just be words upon a screen? But, God, there would be our hearts cry. There would be who we are, just crying out to you and worshiping you. And Lord, as Mark comes up this morning to speak, we ask that you would help him to speak boldly and clearly. Open our eyes, open our ears, our hearts to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name. Sometimes
4: I'm strong and all our shame you took the nails you took our place and no one else could do what you have done do.
0: And love, He saved us not because of our righteous things that we've done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life.
4: free, we, we will exalt you, our God the King. over all the earth, we will see, be enthroned with our worship to you, by the praise that you're due. Then I could
5: Down because I threw my back out fixing my lawnmower. I bought a new lawnmower last year, and uh, I've never really had one throw a belt before. And this new lawnmower is awesome. And I, I threw a belt, and so I was underneath it, uh, working on it, and only to find that I could have done it from the top. So it's it's great, uh, but uh, I am in a in a wee bit of pain today. And I I figure I figure if I sit, you can't see me leaning. I you probably still can, but if you would pretend to not see that. I would appreciate it. But uh, anyway, thank you for all of the advice on the chiropractor, your favorite chiropractor. I will probably see one here in the next two or three years and uh, <laughs> we'll be just fine. This, is an, this seems to be an annual event for me. So, hey, I need to take a couple minutes before we jump into our text. You could go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter two, but uh, I want to take just a moment, a family moment you know, the, the mission work that we do at Carpenter's Way, uh, Operation Christmas Child, and the other things that we constantly talk about at Carpenter's Way is a direct result of your faithfulness. And I, you know, I've sat out there before, and I, I, I know it just sounds like we're trying to, I, I don't know what it sounds like, but that is absolutely true. You know, the church isn't made up of the pastors and the elders and the deacons. It's made up of us. We are the church, and you're the church. And uh, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, um, and you're trying to be careful because of COVID. Um, I, 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 let me first say thank you for your faithfulness this last year and your giving. Uh, your giving has been outstanding. And uh, thank you for that. Um, and we encourage you to continue. Uh, it has allowed us to continue to actually increase our giving this year to international missions. We haven't just sat on the money this year that we didn't, weren't able to do use for ministry or air conditioning and heating. We have sent that to the tune of about $40,000 on top of what we normally give. I wouldn't be surprised if over this last year, and, and I, I'm, I'm speaking just off the top of my head, I wouldn't be surprised if this year our church gave two, uh, over $200,000 to missions international and local. And that's a huge thing. And, and I always feel, uh, she, she told us to give ourselves a, 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 a clapping, and I always feel funny about that. They've been actually asking, for a while to come and share with you. Thanks. I just feel like it's such a responsibility of ours that it's hard for me to clap for myself. In that. It's just being obedient. You know that, right? I mean, giving is obedience. It's part of what we do as God's people. And I know it doesn't feel like that. And man, it has been, I, we, we've all said it. Everybody knows it. What a weird year this has been. And uh, we, uh, a little family thing and... and. Uh, Uh, My dad and I have been, my dad moved here uh, a few months ago, and we've been able to spend a lot of time together, and we remember things from my childhood that were so much fun. We spent a lot of weekends in the desert, and uh, as you know from, you know, West Texas, those of you who spend time there, it's dry and everything. We had a dune buggy. It wasn't one of these fancy, fast dune buggies. It was, I don't even remember, it was a chassis that he put an engine in, and it couldn't race, but it took us all over the desert and when uh, when we were going to go a few seasons without using it, they would literally bury it in the sand. They dug a big hole, and they put the, they drove the dune buggy down into it, and they put plastic over it, and they covered it, the engine with plastic, and they covered it with sand because that was the safest thing to do. And it was dry. And then when they wanted to use it, they would dig it up, and they would, you know, they would grease, the, grease all the things that needed to be greasing, and they put, obviously, this is why I broke my back on the... Uh, I'm lawnmower. But, uh, you know, we'd prime the engine and we'd get that thing started and we'd drive it all over the desert again. Um, but it took work to go from storage to action. And it is going to take work. Uh, this, uh, we, we just sang the song, Be Enthroned. Um, you are the body of Christ. You are. And I am the body of Christ, individually. And you can, you can faithfully walk with him on your own. But I got to tell you something. Uh, this last year, as we've gone into hiding and protection and needed to do that, and Carpenter's Way has been super careful as a leadership team to slowly open up, there is going to have to be a point. That it, it yesterday, uh, last night, I think Dr. Fauci said that there's going to be a vaccine out by the end of November. Uh, that's what they're expecting. I don't know about all that. It's, to me, it's not a political thing. But I just want you to know that even when it comes out, even the flu shot that I get every year is only 40% effective the problem with this disease is I think some of us are acting like it's going to end at some point. And now I need to balance this out. I am not talking to those of you that are at high risk, but at some point we got to go back to living. We, we got to go back to, to, to trusting the Lord. I'm not, I'm not saying we weren't trusting the Lord, but we can't just hide because that is, okay, here I go again. That is so satanic, you guys. It really is because as we're hiding, we don't get to minister to people. And that's why we're here, and we're going to get into that in the text today. and our study of Acts, I hope, I hope, I hope that you realize all I really wanted to do in the book of Acts is show you that things haven't changed. That, that God is is not physically in front of us anymore than he was in front of them, but his spirit inhabits us and gives us ministry and opportunities. And we run into people unless we hide them. And I am not talking about those of you with medical problems. You're gonna have to listen with discerning ears. I'm not saying those of us, those of you who are at high risk and and you're taking care of uh, your parents, I understand the fear, I get it. Um, I just wanna encourage you not to overplay what the news is doing or underplay it. Just be wise and don't live in fear, Um, and and do the best you can, but we miss you in this room, and it is so easy to watch online. I'm I'm really surprised. We've been doing a Wednesday night adult Bible study the last couple weeks, and uh, there was such a, on Zoom of all things, and last week we had over 50 people watching involved. I mean, It's crazy to have that. We usually run on Wednesday night and our Bible study is 75 to 100 or so, depending on the week. So we're almost at that same level. So you're out there and your giving is out there, but just be faithful to the Lord. Do not let Satan send you into hiding. Uh, because he is this, when, when this pandemic is over and you feel safe, there's going to be something else that he's going to want to scare us with. And uh, commit yourself to Jesus Christ and tell people about him. The world is freaked out. And I, the next two weeks, oh, my goodness, it would be a good time to turn your news off. If you voted, there's nothing else you can do. If you voted, there's nothing else you can do. If I were you, I'd take the next two weeks because I know who's going to win. I'm just not going to tell you. I, I'm teasing. I don't care. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So many polls have Biden winning by 60 billion people. More, uh, 450 billion, more than we have in our country. Some, some polls <laughs> some polls that are trustworthy have Trump up. We have no way of... No, nobody knows. Nobody knows. What we do know is God's still on the throne. For, for real, for real. I'm not just saying that. God's still on the throne. We can trust him. And some of these missionaries we support live in places where every day they are really genuinely in fear of their lives. Not from necessarily COVID, actually you can add that onto it, but, but for persecution and all. And I am not downplaying the, the difficulty of living for Christ in this country. I am not I'm, not. I'm not belittling. I am simply saying I would encourage you to make a plan for your family. We are, when are we going to re-engage life? When are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? How are, we, are we just going to wait till they say it's okay? Uh, some of that's political, some of it's not. But, but be praying and thinking and make wise choices for your family. But whatever you do, do not let Satan slide you into numbness. Do, do you understand that? That's really where I'm going with this. Please, whether you're watching online, you're involved in Bible studies that are going to be available online. I, Julie's going to another church or something. I was going to look at her. Uh, we haven't stopped doing ministry, we haven't stopped supporting missionaries, and you have not stopped being a missionary. So stay growing. And for those of you at home, I get it. Some of you, and I've gotten a lot of emails from you, Um, thank you so much for your involvement. Thank you for your encouragement. Please be in touch with your Bible study leaders. I know that some of you are overwhelmed and angry and frustrated, and and you're frustrated even with God. He is the one person you can trust. I'm serious. I'm serious, serious. You, You do not want to be mad at God. This is not new. Uh, and one of the things we talked about on Wednesday night and Tuesday morning immense timeout, Time Out is there is, an, there is a real feeling right now of, among Christians like, boy, for the first time in my life, I can, I can understand why people would look forward to the return of Christ. Okay, I'm ready for him to come back. And, and I want to go, my gosh, has our lives been that soft? I mean, you've read the Old Testament, right? You've read the New Testament. You know what persecution looks like. You've read about our brothers and sisters in Iran and China who are, who are being put to death and, and, and faithfully imprisoned because of faithfulness to God. And all they have to do is reject Him and then they'll live a good life. They're promised money. Our brothers and sisters in North Korea, please, 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 I'm not, I, I am not, I'm not dogging us. We grew up in this culture. We're used to a certain level of freedom. But if that freedom goes away, our God has not gone away. So stay faithful, stay engaged, stay involved. And, uh, and, and I got to tell you, uh, you know, we went three or four months, and of course I'm here every week, but we were, we were gone three or four months, this room was really empty, and we're about half full right now, I've been telling you that. But, but just so you know, um, there is nothing like being back here. Even if you don't think it, and it's not the preaching, you can get the preaching on your TV. I, I am skinnier than your TV says. But, but you can get the preaching on your TV. What you can't get is the, the voices it's interesting. We're still empty when we start, and then it starts filling up. And by the time the announcements are over and all, I can hear the congregation singing. Do you have any idea how nice that sound is? You don't, at, at home, you don't get it. It is so nice to go, oh, my gosh, the world isn't. at least this room isn't crazy. If you watch Fox, the world is crazy. If you watch CNN, the world is crazy. God's family is right on plan. We're doing just fine. So I encourage you, as you're able, come on back. If you're if you've got if you're at high risk, there'll be a vaccine in the next six months or so that you'll be able to get your hands on. And if you're if you feel safe with that, get it. But make a plan. How are we going to reengage life? Because this isn't going to go away. It's just not. It's it's, it's not going to be eradicated because of the vaccine. We're just going to be a little safer and and also if you if you have questions, talk to your doctor. But don't let don't let Satan uh, engage us in so much fear that we don't act we don't act. So. Um, Anyway, enough on that. One more thing I do want to announce. Believe it or not, it's almost November. How nuts is that? I mean, we are heading towards Thanksgiving. It actually felt like it yesterday. I love Thanksgiving. It's like my favorite time of the year because of the food. And um, um, with that, though, also comes our annual business meeting. The church is still a family business. It's it's not a business. It's a family business. (coughs) And with that, A couple things have happened this year. Because we haven't been together that much, we have asked all of our church officers, deacons and elders, to to add a year to their term. So uh, they all have agreed. So everybody this year is going to stay in place for one more year. So if they actually had, uh, I think, Kevin, were you going to roll off this year or did you have one more year? You were rolling off this year. Well, Kevin is going to serve one more year. And when he was out of the room, we all voted him as chairman again for another year. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, but but that's basically so you understand what we've done we've asked everybody who is supposed to term off one more year and we've added one year on so next year we'll we'll do the normal nominations and we'll do by you guys and go through that but we do have to do a budget for next year that is uh, that vote is going to be the second Sunday of November and it is on the table out there if you uh, if you're not coming around the church you can pick it up during the week if that makes you feel safer um, and uh, so please um, Make yourself available to that. There is going to be a vote on Sunday night at 5 o'clock on the 8th. I think that's the second Sunday in uh, November. But please, uh, so be aware of that. Next week, I will give you some details on what's changed this year. Uh, we're very, very excited about a vision that the Lord is giving the elders for the next few years. So next week, we've got some very exciting things to share with you on that. Um, but, uh, but that's that for now. So be involved, again, for that business meeting uh we uh although we will that we will say do you have any questions you have two weeks to ask questions so please take a, make available that those of us who grew up in baptist churches or assemblies of god churches those were wonderful times of great fighting among the flock we don't do that here uh if you have questions you are encouraged to ask any questions and we will answer them as honestly as possible and uh, then we'll have our vote in two weeks and that's how it goes that makes sense did i miss anything you guys kevin did i miss anything Okay, you guys. So we're here for you. We love you. Uh, Whether you're coming to Sunday service or not, be in touch with us. Please be in touch with your Bible study leaders. They're trying to reach out to you all and make sure you're okay. Let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know how we can serve you. Um, uh, So uh, let me pray for us, and then we're gonna jump into Acts chapter two. Father, thank you so much for how good you've been to us, and thank you for being on the throne. Now help us, Father, enthrone you in control of our lives. Uh, May we not trust in Trump, May we not trust in uh, uh, Joe Biden. May we not trust in the American way or the Constitution. May we trust in you. Those are wonderful things, but Father, may we seek first your kingdom. May we first seek you as our king. And uh, Lord, I'm not, dis- I'm not disparaging our responsibility to vote. Uh, may we not vote for people, but values and what we think would best bless this country. Father, we pray for our country, both, both, both uh, uh, Democrats and Republican leadership, for independents, uh, for those who are liberal, for those who are super conservative. Lord Jesus, we want you, uh, we want your values to be our values. And most of all, we want to have a place, Father, above everything else, we want a place where we can worship you in freedom and share the truth of Jesus Christ, of a need to repent. Uh, we want freedom to do that, but we will do it even if it's illegal. So we ask you to make it easy on us, but we trust you if you don't. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Just to bring you, we're in Acts chapter 2. We started the first half last week, and I want to remind you that last week I shared with you uh, that it it was... Private moments between Julie and I and our doctors and nurses that entered both Zach and Anna into our world. Very different experiences. Zach was a C-section. Annie was a, was a natural childbirth. If, if, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but those were expre- extremely private moments and powerful moments. They were expected. Even before Zach came, we were preparing by going to Lamaze classes, as I told you. And we had seen videos to prepare me from fainting. Uh, and, uh, we had, we had gone through all the training, so I had an idea of what was coming, but I had no idea what was coming. I mean, I, I think I've shared with you in the past that I was, uh, when they decided to do an emergency C-section for Zach, uh, to join us, they, they, they set you down, they set me down by Julie's head, and I would stroke her hair while she slept. This is a debate in our marriage. It's the worst fight we've ever had. She slept through it. She snored, um. They put a, uh, and she can't respond right now, but she says she was wide awake. But they put a cloth as they did surgery on her belly. And the surgeon is working, and the anesthesiologist is next to me, and he keeps looking over to see where the surgeon is. And then he goes, it's about to happen, Dad. You want to see this? I said, no, I'm going to take care of my wife, courageously. Just give me. And I'm, I'm striking, and he says, oh, no, you did this. You're going to watch it. He grabbed me by the back of my head. And he lifted me up just in time to see the surgeon literally reach... In my, my view was her flat... Her, not flat belly, but her belly. An incision. And I couldn't see anything gross. I just remember watching him dive his hand into her and grab this little tiny perfect rounded head. I mean, he'd had no trauma in the birth. And grab it and pull it out. And his little face was colored with strawberry jelly. And I remember... I remember him going, this is disgusting, put me back in there. That was the most incredible experience. And then to watch Annie be born, and I was by the feet for that one. What an incredible, I know it's getting graphic here, but I've been watching. I told you I've been watching Call the Midwife. And uh, uh, I know, I know, I lost my man card this week when I admitted that. (laughs) But I, I'll tell you, man, if you get through the first four or five episodes of women giving birth, it's quite an incredible pro-life show. It's very wonderful. But, yeah, it's a lot of women screaming, going, oh, you know. I still think the men should be outside. But, but what an incredible thing. But you, you need to understand this, that as much as I describe it and you laugh, and you laugh because those of you who have had C-sections know what I talk about. You were there. You saw it. And for the women... who who experienced it, you didn't get to see it unless there was a mirror, but your husband saw it for the most part. And you're laughing because you can relate. You know, the truth is, in in my experience, a C-section baby is the most beautiful baby because it hasn't had all the trauma of the birth canal. Uh, But it's something special when Annie was born, watching her head come out. That's like, God, what were you thinking when you invented this? But you laugh. But I got to tell you, as much as we laugh together, nobody knows what it was like in that room. Because that was a private moment for Julie and the nurses and the doctors and I. And me and Zach and me and Anna. That was precious moments. And they were precious moments to you. You can explain it to everybody, but nobody knows what it was like that moment and that day. But the truth is also that I had no idea. I had prepared for after the birth. I almost said after birth. I had prepared for that. We had trained. We had diapers at home. We had a room that we had sponge painted. Remember that era? We had painted a room. We had the perfect room. We were so proud of it. We expended money we didn't have in order to make it the perfect room. And I remember bringing him home, but I had no idea what was about to happen. And if, if, if you're wondering, those of you who don't have kids, well, what happened? Everything happened. It, I don't know how to explain it. It's, your whole life is different. Well, what does it mean your whole life is different? I, I, I remember somebody saying to me, and they weren't being mean. They said, you'll never sleep quite the same. Boy, is that the truth without sleeping aid? I mean, the truth is, even with adults, my son, my daughter-in-law, uh, and then my grandbaby lives in Dallas. I still wake up. She, uh, so Hannah gets up to go to school, and they have to take her to ch- take Zach or Sam to childcare. Zach should probably go to childcare, but <laughs> but Zach has to get up. They get up at like 5:45 in the morning. I used to sleep in. I am not a late sleeper. I used to sleep in all the way till 6:30. The minute he said 5:45, I wake up every morning now at 5:45. See, I have sympathetic wake-up disease. Don't tell me if you get up before that because I'll start waking up and praying for you. I'm not that spiritual. It won't be a good prayer. <laughs> to, to make a long story short, that the day of Pentecost was exactly like that. They had been told over and over by Jesus that the Father said he was going to remove Jesus from the physical scene and he was gonna, so he could send somebody more powerful. They knew that it was called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They knew that he was going to empower them, but they had no idea what that was going to be like. This was Acts 2 Pentecost, which is debated in the church, and people make much of it today. And we can, we do, Last week I talked about that, so I would encourage you to watch last week's message if you didn't. But it was, the reason it was so supernaturally powerful is because it was the birthday of the church. This was the first time. This was a huge event. You know, we celebrated Annie's birthday. She is 22. You think I'm old? You're really old. Annie Wilkie is 22 years of age. Do you remember when we moved here? She was what, six? 22. You are not young anymore. And we celebrated that this weekend, but it was nothing like the day she was born. We just had cake and, and gifts. But you can't go back and relive that. It was a special moment in history of our family life. And so it is here. We study Pentecost and and look what happened last week we read it in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 it was on the day of Pentecost all the believers were meeting together in one place when suddenly there was a sound that's the first thing i keep wanting to point out we think there was wind in the room there was not wind in the room there was the sound of a wind so that right there should upset you enough to reread and rethink the whole story there was the sound of he- from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire, why do they look like flames or like kind of tongues of fire? Because Luke has been told, who's authoring this, by somebody who was there, what it looked like, and that's the best they can do to describe it. It wasn't tongues of fire, it was something like tongues of fire. And it looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, and it settled on each and every one of them. As we talked about last week, the sound of the wind... And the, the thing that looked like flames of fire was the birth uh, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit on each individual there in that room. This had never happened before in history. This was the first time an individual was inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and it was an important moment. What happened at that moment we talked about again last week, and I'm, I'm bringing you up to speed, is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And there's tons of verses in the New Testament where Paul describes what happens at that moment. But this is a good summary. Some of us were Jews, some of us Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, so we have every socioeconomic class. We have every time of purpose. Some are Jews, some are not. So you have every, every. It's, it's, not a, it's not a religious thing, it's not a genetic thing, it's not a wealth thing. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. That's why it landed over each of their heads. Because the first one, was the sound of a wind. and why wouldn't it be? The word for wind in Greek is pneuma. Guess what the word for Holy Spirit is? It's pneuma. God, the, the Holy Spirit, the, holy, the unique wind of God, the third person of the Trinity had been promised, and they were awaiting Him on the day of Pentecost. They didn't think He'd come that day, but just like we await His return, they had been told to wait for Him in Jerusalem, and they were. And wow, when He came, it was clear that He came. I want to remind you that the reason Jesus Christ did miracles was not because he felt just because he felt empathetic for people that were sick and lame and blind, but because he wanted to say, I'm different than everybody else who preaches. I have been given power from on high to communicate. You should listen to me. And this is the same type of sign. It's a sign to say that thing you're waiting for has happened. And it went on each of their heads so that every individual in the room, they couldn't just say, well, the apostles... The apostles had flames of fire, but not the rest of us. Every one of them had this thing that looked like a flame or tongue of fire on their head. And why? Because every one of them, every one of us has been baptized into the family of God. Every one of us has been inhabited by the power of God. This, This moment in time was the fulfillment of the Trinity's plan to adopt these people. And it was complete at that moment they were made family, according to Ephesians chapter 1, by the planning of God the Father, by the Son's obedience to death on the cross, and paying for their adoption by paying for the penalty of their sins. And in this Acts 2 moment, by the sealing of them into the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit into the family. Ephesians 1:13 and 14, look at the screen. It explains this. When you believed in Christ, He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. So I I really, really want you to understand this, although we have a tendency to talk about Jesus. We put pictures of Jesus. I mean, it would be difficult to put pictures of the Father around the room or the Holy Spirit. We got an idea that maybe Jesus looked like that. Why do you think he looked like that? Because of the coinage from the period. We have coins with the picture of this guy, Jesus, on it from the Roman Empire, 300 years after the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. Remember, the Roman Catholic Church was leading in Rome, and they had images of what Jesus must have looked like. And so that's the assumption. Maybe he didn't. We don't know the color of his skin or the flatness of his hair. Maybe he used a hair iron. We don't know. But that's how we get the pictures of Jesus, because there's ancient drawings and paintings of him. And that's our assumption. But what's interesting here is there's three people to the Trinity and all three are involved in our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1, the beginning, says it was the Father's unchanging plan to adopt us, not to keep you out of hell, but to adopt you and then take you to his home. That's why we don't go to hell. It's not we don't go to hell because God's worried about us burning. We don't go to hell because that's where his family is. It's the family property heaven is. You're a joint heir. The this Jesus Christ made it possible by paying the penalty for our sin. He lived here for 33 and a half years. He died on the cross. He shed His blood. He paid for anyone who believes on His name. And now we are made right with God. But that wasn't enough. The third member of the Trinity came and sealed us. He's the identification mark between the unsaved and saved, not praying a prayer or being a church member or preaching But it is uh, the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person, according to Romans 7 and 8, is the Holy Spirit's presence. Please understand the church can't save you, only Jesus can. And the Holy Spirit seals you. Let me rephrase this in a different way. The Holy Spirit is your eternal security. Not your good deeds, not your remembering when you pray to prayer. It's the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I know if I'm sealed? Do you have the fruit of His presence? Are you loving Do you have joy? Are you a person of peace? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you long-suffering? If you don't have those qualities in your life, it doesn't matter how many times you've walked an aisle. Those are called the fruit of the Spirit's presence. Those are evidences. Those are the signs that He's there. But if you have called on the name of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' blood has been applied to you. Your sin is forgiven. The Father's will is fulfilled. and You've been adopted. And the Holy Spirit is your guarantee. It's still up there. When you believed, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's what? Guarantee. It's His guarantee that He will give you the inheritance promised. At this moment... Everything that these 120 people hoped for was true. He's a guarantee. He is our eternal security. Baptism of and by the Holy Spirit is part of the instantaneous salvation process that takes place the moment you believe, according to this text. Now, here, you have the first time it's happening. Why? Because that's the day he arrived on the scene. That's the day. The amazing supernatural moments and acts were the celebration moment. You know, um, We don't rebirth Anna and Zach every year on their birthday. That would be disgusting. Nor should we expect when a person gets saved that they're going to act like they did in Acts. If you are a tongues-believing individual who holds on to this as the only evidence of salvation, tongues, my question for you is, why not the tongue of fire? If we're going to say that you have to speak in tongues to be sure of your salvation, which is clearly against 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, He says you don't have to. But if you're going to claim that, then you also need to claim the tongue of fire. When was the last time you led somebody to Christ, they spoke in tongues and had fire? Why are you picking one over the other? And the answer is because you've never seen the other. Take a break. The Bible is our authority. Understand it in its context. This is not complicated. This is a very special moment. But after the flames and after the sound of the wind, I wonder, okay, this is Mark, okay, this is not, I cannot prove this, i got to take you to a scripture. But you know, I've thought a lot the last couple weeks about those little things that look like flames of fire. The day of Pentecost, okay, follow my thinking, it means the 50th, because the feast on, uh, was on the 50th day after the Feast of First Thruits. Just, Just bear with me for a second here. It was originally one of three harvest festivals, but in early Judaism, it commemorated the anniversary of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And what was the law? The law was thought to help the Israelites remain in an active holy state until God removed their sin. He was covering their sins in anointing and and sacrifices, but one day he would remove their sin. It is possible that that God gave the Holy Spirit on Pentecost to contrast the law. That was the law you didn't measure up, and now... What was once the external means of restraining Israel from sin is now an inhabited power by the Holy Spirit, the Numa, who would provide internal power for believers to live righteously. And here's one more thought. I've wondered this last week if the little things that look like fire weren't exactly a duplication of what happened in the wilderness might i remind you that by day there was a pillar of smoke that would that would exist over the tabernacle where god would meet with people and at night it would turn into a pillar of fire i wonder if at the moment of their 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 sealing into the family of god on pentecost if they also weren't seeing a visual of you are now the temple of the holy spirit you are the place people meet god please understand here christians follow my thinking. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I I want you to see it all come together. You know, when people find out you're Christians and they are diagnosed with cancer, they can be agnostic or atheistic. But have you ever been asked by somebody that you know doesn't even believe in your God or maybe a God, they ask you to pray for them? You ever been asked by somebody? That is totally right on because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the place people go to talk to God or should go. And whether they identify it or not, they're coming to you to say, pray for me. Just in case you're right, would you pray for me? That's because we're the temple. And I wonder if on that day those little flame things weren't weren't God's way of saying, hey, you guys, it's no longer a building or a tent. I ripped that up. It's you. You are the temple. And the reason I thought that is because it's it's completely consistent with what happens next. Back to Acts 2 verse 4. It tells us that after the sound of the wind and after the thing that looked like fire, everyone present was then filled with or under the control of the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages. And I've had some people call me this week and ask, so did the crowd, and and those of you who know the story, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. So did the crowd hear it in their languages or were they speaking in those languages? The answer is yes. It says both in this text. So don't, don't draw a line on this. Don't, don't pick your battle lines. It says both. It just said here that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages. And it gives you the idea that they didn't know those languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. So here you have them speaking in those languages. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, what loud noise? Probably the wind. But for sure, them speaking in this, their languages, everybody came running. You want to know if they messed up the mojo of Israel that morning? You better believe it. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages. So, oh, now we have hearing. So those of you, the 50% of you have at it, friends. Satan wants us divided on the dumbest things. All we know is both are true, and both can be true, and neither can be true. It really isn't any of our business. What happens is what matters everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by these believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. That's code for, they're kind of dumb. They're, uh, you know, I've used terms for, they're from Mississippi. I don't know anybody in our church that's from Mississippi, so I use that state. Please forgive me. Is somebody here from Mississippi? I didn't mean Mississippi. I meant somewhere else. Vermont. What? They're from New York, those people. That's a comment on dumbness. Certainly they're not talking to us. I mean, these are Galileans. This, This can't be what we think it is. These people are all from Galilee. I love that. If you want to know what kind of people Jesus chose, that's the statement you need to grasp. And it fits perfectly with Jesus because he was a Nazarene. He's from Nazareth. Actually, they're not the same thing. I misspoke. He's from Nazareth. You know, Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That was a saying in the Roman communities. What good could come from Nazareth? Oh, just the king of kings. Isn't it great how God uses people like East Texans? That was not a slam. They were completely amazed, verse 7 says. How can this be? These guys are from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocius, Pontius, the province of Asia... Uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Now you know what they were talking about. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this all mean? And as you know, they all bowed the knee to their God, right? No, they found a reason. They asked each other, what can this mean? But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all because we've all known drunk people that speak in other people's languages. Do you realize how, how invested the world is in not bowing the knee to God? That's not new. It's not new, my friends. It's how it's always been. These people, I mean, I I, could you imagine being in that crowd, not being saved, looking at that, going, this is crazy, what is this, UFOs? And somebody in the crowd goes, I think they've been drinking. I think I had to look at that person and go, I don't think that has, What? But that seemed to be a general consensus in the crowd. What an awesome moment this must have been. And these crowds are trying to explain how these simple Galileans were speaking in languages they obviously couldn't have spoke otherwise. And their answer is they must be drunk. Peter answers. Verse 14, then Peter stepped forward. And remember, this is Peter uh, that 50 days ahead of here or 60 days ahead of this is denied Christ and blasphemed to prove it. I swear to God, I don't know God's son. I know not know him. This is Peter who's constantly rebuking Jesus. This is Peter on the night Jesus is betrayed, pulls out a sword about that big and, and aims to cut the high priest servant's head off and only gets his ear. I mean, this is, not a, this is Peter who's rebuking Jesus and his ministry nonstop. Peter is awesome. I'm Peter, okay? So you don't think that I'm dogging Peter. I'm just like Peter, but he's not really smart, just like me. And what does he do? He steps forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouts at the crowd so the the 12 stand forward. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. Here is a great case. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. By three, we'll be toast. (laughs) I know he didn't say that, but it's such a funny response. He uses a human reason. Nobody's been drinking this morning. We're not drunk. And Peter kicks in. No. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they'll prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's the point. You can be part of the saved group. You don't have to fear these things. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by, po- by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, some of you heard me say earlier that the only reason Jesus did miracles wasn't just out of empathy of those he was, he was talking to, but actually because the Father wanted him to stand out just like this moment. And that's what Peter just said. Verse 23, but God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Wow. Wow. Nothing that happened 50 days ago, people, was a surprise. And this is Jerusalem. This is where it happened. All these people know about the killing of Jesus. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. That's not a very growing message. He's calling their sin out. Their rejection. You, not them. With the help of Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. Just as he had planned, Peter said. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death cannot keep him in its grip. King David had said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow the Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future, and he was speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses of this. Not just the 120, but you are too. He's inferring their witnesses to it. Remember, I keep mentioning the last few weeks that there were hundreds. The Bible says there were at least 500 people saw him resurrected. Between the time of his resurrection and the ascension, over 500 people saw it. And I still wonder why there's only 120 worshipers in the upper room. And maybe they were someone else. But he is talking to those in the crowd as well. We're all witnesses to it. Verse 33. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of it. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. You're wondering where he is. Peter's telling him, and the Father, as He had promised, gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet He said, "The, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at, in the place of honor at My right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under Your feet." So I let everyone in Israel. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Wow, that's a heck of a change. This is Peter who got mad at Jesus for telling him three times or asking him three times if he loved his flock or if he loved him. Sorry, I'm messing this up. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, then feed my sheep. And he gets angry at that. This is loudmouth Peter. This is Mark. This This is a reactionary, emotional guy. How does a guy go from who Peter was to this well, the, the answer is Acts 1.8. Would you put that up there for me, Kevin, please? You see, this is again what Jesus told them. And now that we're in the end of Acts 2, I want you to think about it. Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, then throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You see, what happens in Jerusalem this day was a fulfillment of what Jesus said 50 days before is going to happen. What Jesus had been telling them was going to happen. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I have to leave so someone greater can come and empower you. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to be filled with power. You're going to do greater things than I've done. There's going to be a greater response to your message than mine. And and honestly, you guys, there's only 120 faithful here. There may be more, but there's not many more. There's 120 here. Jesus had thousands of followers, but only a few maintain it. Only a few actually stay with him. But what happens here? When you receive power, disciples, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll receive power, and you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. That's all you're looking at here. All of that just happened. The Holy Spirit had come upon them, they had received his power, and they had begun witnessing immediately in Jerusalem. All of them. By speaking in the languages of the goodness of God, the native languages of those people, the apostles by stepping forward with Peter, and by Peter by speaking, all of them were part of the story. That's the thing about the church, you guys. I may do the preaching on Sundays, but without the elders standing beside me and holding me accountable, without you guys supporting it and praying for us and praying for each other, there's no ministry. Just because some things are more upfront doesn't mean that the ones that aren't upfront are less are less in, impacting. They were all going to be his ministers when they were filled with the Spirit. That's why it's so significant that that thing of fire that looked like fire on each of their heads was equal. And in our culture, boy, it's gotten even worse. There are no superhero Christians. There are only believers, followers of Jesus. I hope that you pray for Louis Giglio but God never asked you to be like him. He's a faithful man. He preaches the truth. There are several, but we keep finding after they died that they were unfaithful. I'm not saying, and my actual response to that is, what did we expect them to be? We only see them an hour a week or an hour a month or an hour a year. The body of Christ, the local gathering, that's where it's at. Why? You can hold me accountable and I can hold you. We can see each other. And it's not about keeping me pure. It's about knowing when I'm not right with my wife and you can feel it in your bones. Are you okay? Oh, I hate that question. I get texts from you and I know you mean well and you say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. The Lord brought you to mine. Are you okay? Shut up. I can't hide from you and you can't hide from me. You can't hide from each other unless you want to. Dear friends at home, please tell me you're not hiding at home. We need each other to be witnesses as a community. And you may be in the background just shouting the praises of God while somebody else preaches, but you're necessary. When are you coming back to gather with the saints? I get it if you're sick. I get it if you're at high risk. I really, uh, the elders wanted me to make it clear, and I'm going to keep saying this even though it's long, but the elders wanted to make clear that as we talk, encourage you to start fellowshipping in person again, that we remind those of you that, that, that it's a risk and you're nervous, we get it. But if you're fear without reason, we'll come pray with you. We can't stay in our homes. That's exactly what Satan wants. What America needs is not four more years of Trump or eight years of Biden or whoever. What America needs is her Christians, her followers of Jesus, to rise to the occasion, be filled with the power by surrendering control and living out their faith in the midst of chaos. Peter says later when he writes a letter to us that we should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. That means it's so evident that people are asking the question. Something was going on here and it was so evident that the people were asking the question. They came running. And Peter answered it. And nobody in that group of 120 should have been struck because this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. No, they didn't know how it would look, (coughs) but neither do you. Neither do you. Neither do I. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching and you're wondering. I'm kind of like the crowd. I've been let down by some Christians or whatever, but I'm kind of like the crowd. How do I get some of that? How do I be baptized into the family of God by the Holy Spirit? Well, because I'm a Baptist pastor and you should be skeptical of anything any Baptist or Assembly of God or Evangelical says, I'm going to take you to Scripture. I'm going to let the Bible answer that question for you. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says, Now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. Let that soak in. You may be watching today and you may be saying, I am not a moral person. I've sinned. I've I've gone out. I've done things that I know I shouldn't have done. You may be that person. Get this. You can be made right with God without having kept the requirements of the law. It was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everybody sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood for them. How do I do that? Romans 10, 9-13. How, Pastor? How do I be made right with God through Jesus? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, ruler of all, king of kings, including your life, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to pray with the pastor. You can be in your living room right now. Call on the name of the Lord. Well, what do I say? Tell him what you need. Tell him what you tell me. Tell him. Well, I don't know what to say. Quit being ridiculous. You know what to say to me. Say it to him. Well, I don't know the magic words. There are no magic words. The, The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's hardly the sinner's prayer. It is a heart that says, I'm in trouble. And you're the only one who can save me. And what happens when you do that? 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins to Him, admit you're a sinner, that's why Peter went high and tight on those Jews. You killed Him. You killed God by the Father's plan. But you still did it. You rejected Him. And to be saved, you need to accept Him. If we confess our sins to Him, admit their sins, admit they offended Him. He's going to be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. What? Yeah. It doesn't say speak in tongues. It doesn't say be a member of Carpenter's Way. It doesn't say give, although that will help. That's a joke for those of you who aren't church people. I'd like to make it incumbent upon giving. I'm kidding, I wouldn't. Because I would be in trouble. The truth is there's nothing you can do the bad news is you're worse than you really realize. And if you don't know Jesus, you're in worse shape than you think. The good news is he's more merciful than you were ever told. It's bad news, good news. The only thing keeping you from redemption is confessing your sin and accepting his offer to forgive you. That's it. I beg of you today to do what we're going to read in Acts three nineteen and 20. Repent of your sins and turn to, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then, and then alone, will times of refreshment come from the presence of the Lord. My politically tired, coronavirus scared, and that's just the beginning of it. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us are scared. Some of us are bewildered about the tone of our country right now. My dear friend, if you want to be refreshed, you're going to have to be refreshed from on high when your hope is placed in His promises you're going to have to go to God. It's the only answer to this question. God desires to adopt you, but he will not force himself on you. You must accept his son's death on the cross as payment for your adoption. As Peter said, turn away from your sin and turn to God. Give him ownership of your life. Hand the keys of your life over to him to do whatever he wants with you and through you. Whatever he wants with us even if it hurts for a while. Verse 40 in Acts 2, back to the story. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. <laughs> is that funny, Pam? You have no idea how it is. When you get going and you feel like, whoa, this is pretty good, you want to keep going. I mean, I think, I've, I've preached, you know, it's really funny. My kids used to ask what I think about when I'm preaching. Sometimes I think, where the heck did that come from? Uh, <laughs> Sometimes I think, oh, crap, where the heck did that come from? Um, But it it is a weird thing. And uh, I'm sure Peter felt like he was doing good, so he preached for a long time. But look what he's doing. He's strongly urging all of his listeners, save save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter uh, said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. See, Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I've done. There it is. I mean, he saved all of us. You, I, I, we understand that, but he never led thirty thousand people to himself. Guess who else gets to do that? You and me. Us. You'll probably never raise the dead or make the lame to walk. Maybe, maybe you'll have that wonderful experience sometime. But it isn't about them. But I can assure you, you've been tasked with the opportunity to take to make the spiritual dead live. Because you're inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Those little fire things hang over you. You are the place people go to learn of Jesus. You are not the place people go to learn of Carpenter's Way, or how to fix their family, or how to be good people. You are the place where bad people, lousy husbands and dads, come to meet the King of Kings who redeems lousy husbands and dads. Run to Jesus, my friend. And if you've already run to Him, Well, do what they did in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing their meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. The local church was born. People taking care of each other. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We'll be talking about those as time goes on. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in hoves for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. He's talking about the people in the community. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So, my dear friends, my family, my brothers and my sisters, don't let coronavirus keep you from doing God's work. Be wise. But when you go to the doctor's office to have a checkup or you go to the hospital or you, whatever, whatever you do, instead of complaining about how few cash registers are open at Walmart, take the opportunity to talk to the person in line behind you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What do I say to them? Hi, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. How can I pray for you today? They're going to think you're nuts. You don't have to say the whole thing. But just say, this line is really long. It's taking us forever. Why not? Why are we wasting it? Can I pray for you today? What can I pray for? Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, everybody's somebody's fool. Who's fool are you? Thank you, Jerry Rife. He taught me that as a kid. 1 Corinthians, Paul says, people think we're crazy. But I would rather be crazy for the Lord. You know, what, car, what, what Carpenter's Way, what East Texas doesn't need is more churches. Or necessarily bigger churches. What we need is the people who have bowed the knee to Jesus to continue or to, con- to concede control of their lives to the Holy Spirit and be used. Twelve men. Twelve men. Impact the globe. All right, 120 people. We have about 900 that are actively involved in Carpenter's Way. Imagine what we could do in Angelina County if every one of us surrendered control of our life to the Holy Spirit and actually woke up and walked through this community instead of being frustrated with the limitations the government's putting on us or whatever frustrates you, instead saying, who can I pray for today? Where am I going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit? I'm taking God with me. Where can I take him? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for Acts. And I really don't think these men and women had any idea what was going to happen on Pentecost. I knew they were anticipating your arrival, but they had no idea what it would look like. And neither do we. We have no idea what you're going to do in and through us this week. We are all concerned about our country, whether we're on the right or the left. We're all worried about who's going to win the election, whether we're on the right or the left. But Lord, you told us to seek first you and your kingdom and your ways. It's not that we're not to be concerned. We're to pray for those in positions of authority, and we pray for our president today. We pray for Nancy Pelosi as she she leads the House. We pray, Father, for McConnell as he he leads the Senate. We pray for those who will take control of our country in January of this next year. Lord Jesus, may may they act righteously and bless our country with morality. But it really isn't their task. The truth is, it's the task of the church to bring hope. And so above all else, Father, today I pray for the church, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, who have been baptized into the family of God. May we cede control of our lives to the Holy Spirit so you can use us however you want. And if there's somebody watching today, Lord Jesus, or in this room that doesn't know you, may today be the day of their adoption. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. We will see you. If you want to join us on Wednesday night at our adult Bible study, send me an email, and you can. Um, Women's Bible study's got stuff going on. Grab a budget. Lots going on right now. Be involved.